Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Shem will be learning Daf Chafzayin in Maseches Sota. Uh, Andrew, for Gazunt and Kum Gazunt, our fearless leader. We look forward to seeing you back. Barry, you could have been anywhere else in the world, but you're here. And thank you for that. And Baruch Hashem made it back from New York. Let's start in the bottom line on Chafavim Bez. I'm giving you a little bit of homework, Andrew, because I understand you did not get up to that in my absence, which makes me feel really needed and important. Although I probably would have gotten you even less far. Um, Fascinating question like this. Amar Shmuel, Yisa Adam, a person should get married. Very nice. First word on Chavzayin Amad Aleph, Duma. A person should marry a Duma. What's a Duma? Rashi, Nitenes Vinadaberes, Befi Kol, Neufea. Duma is a Lushan Classe. What's going on? She's a woman of ill repute, Barry. Uh, why, should a mar- why should a man marry women of ill repute? So, is going to ask that question. Obviously, it doesn't mean that, you sh- that a person should marry a woman of ill repute, but you have to look at the rest of the sentence. It's just everything is relative. Given a very weird choice, for whatever reason, the only options you have is either a woman of ill repute or a daughter of a woman of ill repute. Which one's better? So Shmuel thinks, marry the woman of ill repute. Why? Shazu, says the Gemara, Shmuel. You see, the woman of ill repute, she herself, her behavior is, uh, you know, sketchy, but at least she comes from a tipa kashera. Presumably, the issue would be like this. If she herself came from a good family, what we'll call, okay, so at least you know that she's, you know, not a psul or her mom's there or something like that. You see what I mean? Uh, you know where she came from, at least. And therefore, that's a good thing. As opposed to her daughter, well, now, we don't know We don't know who her dad is. We don't know what went down. And therefore, what would you rather? This is going to be kicked around a little bit, and I'll give it away. It's going to end up in a teku. But given these two, uh, lesser of two evils, given these two awful choices, what would you rather? A woman that herself, her behavior is, is sketchy, uh, but you know, but you could trust her lineage, or a woman who, irrespective of her behavior, has a sketchy lineage. Well, which would, which is the worst? Okay, uh, take right. You really would rather not either one. But be that as it may, that's the question. Shmuel says better even take the woman of the repute. At least you know where she's coming from. Okay, Rabbi Yochanan disagreed. Rabbi Yochanan number you saw them bas duma. Yeah, go for the daughter. You know, but she she went to a good seminary and she's a nice girl. Okay, her mother was a villa repute, but at least this girl is nice. You're not marrying her mother, right? You saw them bas duma, value duma. But don't marry a woman of villa repute. Shazu meted bechaskas kashrus. Shazu eno meted bechaskas kashrus. Because after all, the daughter at least herself has the cheskas kashrus, right? But the woman of villa repute, once she has the raglaim ladaver, right? Once word got out that she's running around, so then she's not Becheskas Kashos anymore. Okay? Um, fine. There are, <laughs> there's a lot to say here because what kind of, what kind of ill repute are we talking about? Um, are we talking about a single woman or a married woman? But let's keep it, right? Uh, Shmuel certainly is talking about it. 
a single woman, we're talking about Shiduchim here, and let's assume it's a single woman, and just the ill repute has to do with, um, right, the ill repute has to do, obviously, if you're talking about the daughter, so you're talking about the daughter who was, mar- who, uh, was a product of a union between a woman of ill repute and somebody else, um, but what's happening here, Barry, is that there's not evidence, but there is uh, definitely a reputation. And so you have to kind of, uh, if you were talking about from a halachic perspective, you'd have to fine-tune, right, how that reputation works. Uh, Rabbi Ari Leibowitz, the great Tafiyomi master, uh, said, and he pointed out, can you, what would be the difference? In other words, what would be the halachic nafkamina? Right, whether you should marry a woman of ill repute or the daughter of a wo- woman of ill repute, which is worse? What would be the lachik nafkamina? So he said, obviously, the lachik nafkamina isn't like that if you hold that it's better to marry a woman of ill repute, that that's what you should ask Karen Traub, the Shachan, to offer you, right? That, that's not the lachik nafkamina. You're supposed to avoid both of these in Shidduchim if you can. So the question is, what's the nafkamina? He said, maybe you would say like this. There's something called a mekachtos or kiddushin betos, which is to say, if somebody covers up, right, the fact that the girl was had a promiscuous past, and then you married her thinking she was an edel madel, and then you find out about it after the fact, would you then be able to have a claim that I married this girl on false pretense? Okay, there is such a thing, right? Uh, now. Again, obviously, I'm not, we're not poskining at all, and these matters can be very thorny and complicated, but that's what Rabari Leibowitz said could be a nafkamina. What confused Rabari Leibowitz, and doesn't confuse me at all, only because of, uh, I guess you could say, uh, life experience. I guess uh, Ari Leibowitz is, first of all, younger than me. He's way smarter, but also a little bit younger, and also he, uh, I listened to him from last cycle. So, so he was much younger than me then. And so he didn't understand how you could claim Mekachtas. Because after all, how does ill repute work? Well, in other words, ill repute means that there's a reputation that people know. Well, if it's something that people know, how did you not find out about it? Do you even have the claim to Mekachtas? Uh, right? Shouldn't have you done, shouldn't, should you not have done your research? But, you know, when you live in the world long enough, you realize... Uh, maybe I should call him and explain to him that the threshold for Lashon Hara is almost nil, right? It doesn't take a lot. You don't have to do much for people to talk about you and for you to develop a reputation. <laughs> but if you're marrying a girl from a different town and you're calling up friends in Shadchanim, that, that threshold of what people are willing to tell you is on a totally different level, right? You, it would have to be egregious for anybody to let you, to let you know. So in other words, it's very easy to develop a reputation, but it's also very easy to cover it up when it comes to Shaduchim because that threshold people don't like talking about, right? People are very careful with Lashon Hara when it comes to uh, Shaduchim and telling people what they're in for, but people are not so careful with Lashon Hara around the Shabbos table when you just, um, you know, throwing, throwing a reputation around, um, around the Cholent. Anyways, so that's how it happens. In other words, you can have a woman of ill repute in whatever in town there is. Everybody knows, but nobody says. That happens every day. So that is the story here. Now, there is a challenge to Rabbi Yochanan's opinion. So again, Rabbi Yochanan prefers that you marry the nice girl, even though her mother, back in the day, didn't have a good reputation. Says the Gemara, Duma. The Brisa says a woman should, that you should marry a 
the woman herself, not the daughter. So first of all, Amarav, Avatisper, Noisi, Lechatchila, he asked the question we started with. Are you saying that this is a suggestion, Lechatchila, to marry a woman of ill repute? Is that the best kind of woman to marry? No, 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 no. Obviously, that's not what it means. Ela Nasa. It just means if you did marry her, you can keep her. Okay. So Tzni Bas Duma. And then, once you have to already change the brysa, in other words, this is a very small piece of Tanaic material here. This is a very small brysa. All the brysa says, three words. Noisa Adam Duma. So obviously this brysa is missing a lot. First of all, that itself, it's not like a, a mantra, right? You don't see, you don't see that, uh, that statement on, on top of any Aaron Kodesh, right? In any shul, right? This is not something that, uh, that, that is a full statement, so rather it means im nasa adam duma, and then it could also say bas duma, and therefore because that piece of brisa is lacking altogether, we can't really use it as a challenge to Rabbi Yochanan, because obviously there's something missing in the brisa. Okay, now, what's the halacha? Says the Gemara, adam bas duma, duma. And halacha, the halacha is, oh, I said it was a teku. Um, that's not the part that's a teku. I misspoke, Barry. This is actually, the halacha is, marry the girl who's a good girl from seminary herself. Okay, so her mother, not so much when she was young, but, you know, those are simpler times, right? The halacha is, Yisad Adam Bas Duma. Marry the nice girl of, uh, who's the daughter of a woman of ill repute, Bal Yisad Duma, and don't marry the woman of ill repute herself. Tatani Rav Tachlifa Barma Rava Kamei the Rabbi Abau. Rav Tachlifa Barma Rava from Eretz Yisrael, so Reb Tachlifa the Israeli, taught the Bryce in front of Rabbi Bo, Isha Mizana Banea Kesherim, that if a Isha is Mizana, her children can be eligible for marriage. They are kosher. Why? Because Rov Be'ilos Achar Habal, because most of her acts were under her husband. That is astonishing. Wait a minute. Isha Mizana? Um... Well, yeah, I mean, unbelievably, Isha Mizana doesn't sound like a woman of ill repute. That sounds like a woman who has been confirmed. So what's going on? Well, the, this particular woman, and that's, again, it gets thorny with, is Ill, does ill repute mean just like you saw friendly, you see that a woman is overly friendly at the Makolet with other people? Or does it mean like you have actual evidence, okay? Um, it's up until now we thought it was just a super friendly woman that people are giving a bad reputation to but here Isha Mizana that's, that's a different thing isn't it that sounds like Mama so that actually comes up in the Rishonim is it actual or is it not um, we, we uh, there is a Machlokis Rishonim about whether this Isha Mizana that, that is referred to was actually Mizana or not just pointing that out Barry but in the meantime the, the Chiddush, if you were to say that she actually was Mizana, was that even though, it would be a greater Chiddush, right? That even though she was Mizana, and so a lot of bad stuff went down, somewhere along the line, once she's, once she's proven to have a, had adultery with Rechman she's a surah labala labal, right? So, I mean, at that point, you know, there's going to be a separation. But what about the children that lived before that, were born before that, right? Uh, the assumption was, Right, that 
once this was discovered, okay, then we're gonna we're gonna shut it down. But if some, but let's say there was even a lapse. In other words, that which was discovered happened after the fact, and now you have a child that was what a product of a woman who has been a confirmed adulteress. So according to the Rishonim that say Isha Mizana referring to a confirmed adulteress, so even there you could say what rov beilos achar bal. So that's a big chiddush to say it is true. It is true that there, there was Rahman al-Aslan illicit relations here, but, you know, 95% of the time she was living in the house, and therefore it's most likely, right, that, that this is the father. Now, that, that the husband uh, was the father. That's what Tahlifa the Israeli said. Okay, I mean, today with, um, with genetic testing, right, I don't know, how much rove do you rely on uh, for these kinds of things. It's a good question. It should never be halacha lamaisa. Okay, Barry? All right, let's, let's resume 11 lines down on Chavzayin Abraf. Ba'i Rav Amram. Ha'isa prutza b'yoyser mahu. See? Now, this is unbelievable. Rav Amram is sitting in the base from Medrash, and he's saying, okay, reputation, blah, blah, blah. I get it. People talk behind closed doors. But what if someone was just clearly promiscuous, so much so, can we still uh, assume, as Rav Tachlifa said, Right, that she, that rov beilos achar bal, like rov beilos achar bal, might be in a case where it seems like a regular nuclear family with a regular life, and then you heard right whispers, but like where everybody knows that she's all over the place, would you still say rov beilos achar bal? That's Amram's question. So the Gemara says, "I'll leave it to Amram. Ain't Yisrael misabersal some chlevesta loti ba'ilach." What's going on here? All right. Well, there was a machlokes in Labriot. There's a machlokes in Lamed Aleph in Masechas Nida. This machlokes is problematic, not because it's hard to understand, but because Rabbi Ari Leibowitz himself, Shlita, has a problem uh, figuring out how it's not a machlokes in Mitzias. I have my own suspicions as to how it's not a machlokes in Mitzias. What do I mean by machlokes in Mitzias? Well, when when when. Uh, Right when Chazal argue with each other, you'd like to think that they're not arguing about like whether the Earth revolves around the Sun or the Sun revolves around the Earth. Right? You'd like to think that they're both investigated and are dealing with the same kind of right physical reality and are just arguing about lumdus. Right? Arguing about halacha categories, if you will. This is a long masora for those who were talmidim of Rabbi Willig or of Shechter or of Aaron Soloveitchik. Uh, going back to the right, the Brisker dynasty, right? This idea of machlokas and mitzias, we're allergic to that. To think that that's what they're talking about. However, here in Nida, there is the following machlokas: When is a woman most uh, most uh, ready to conceive? Right? When is when is she going to be the most fertile? So in Nida, it says some say it's immediately, uh, shortly after her cycle. And some say that it's before, before she, she gets her period. So wait a minute. First of all, isn't that a machlokas and mitzias? So what I think it might mean, although I haven't learned Mesechus Nida, maybe we to learn that together, Barry, all the way through Shas and then beyond. What I think it might mean, although I'm not sure, is, so, so Ravari Levis was stymied. He says, really, he had a hard time saying how it's not a machlokas and what the physical reality is. Uh, I think maybe it means just uh, that, that if you know for sure, um, it depends on the cycle. In other words, if a woman has an irregular cycle, even today, there's something in the fertility right world 
called orthodox fertility issues, which is to say, right, when a woman becomes Anita, so then she actually has, right, you have to wait until the dom stops and then you wait the clean days. So typically speaking, physically speaking, I'm told, that 12 days after, for most women, is actually when they're most fertile. And it is that point that you can have, uh, and, and it's that point the man who's not been with her for 12 days, it's a, it's a perfect storm of the heightened um, possibility for fertility. However, not everybody's regular, not everybody knows what's going on, and maybe that's the alternative, uh, the alternative uh, option here, where the fertility is all over the place. What does that have to do with us? Well, it's like this. You have an Isha who's Prutza, uh, but the fertilization only happens one time, right? And the question is, when is she most fertile? Well, if the husband knew when she was most fertile, then he can actually like chaperone her, have like some sort of guard watch over her just during that time. And so even if she's with other people during the rest of the cycle, if you will, the rest of her menstrual cycle, at least she's not going to get pregnant, right? Like she may be with the other dudes and it's not a great thing, but at least she won't get pregnant as opposed to, right, if he doesn't have any clue when she's going to be fertile. So then he can't just keep her under lock and key for the entire you know, month. And so that's what's, that's what's going on here. That's what the Gemara says as follows. So I'm going to translate that as, right, that she's misaberis uh, close to the time of her veset, right? So a woman where he doesn't know when she's misaberis, which is to say he doesn't know when she's fertile. So then, loti bailach. Then her children are certainly forbidden. Why? Because she's always, she's everywhere always, and he's and he has no way of watching over her because he has no way of knowing when she's going to conceive. However, yeah, the question about this prutzabiyoser about whether her children are in fact kosher potentially, or we're going to deal with this robe and assume that they're kosher, is when a woman is. Which is to say that every time on mikvah night, that's when she's conceiving every time. Well, if you knew that, right, that's one of the deos in Nida, that she's misaberis samach letvilasa. So then there would be a question as to whether this very princess woman, a very, uh, right, who's, who's, uh, can't be contained, right, that would be a question of whether her children are kosher. Why? My, what would be the lacha? Would you say, that since the husband knows that mikvah night, she is, in fact, uh, the only night that she's going to conceive, is he going to, right, wait for her, like, around the corner outside the mikvah and make sure she comes straight home, and therefore he can control that, and therefore any children that they have would certainly would be the husband's children? Oh, Dilma... Came into Prutsa Biyoser, maybe perhaps you'll say she's so out of control, low, that she's running out the back door of the mikvah, and for some reason he thinks that she was in there for three hours. Really, she was all over town. She went out the back door and then came out the front door as if she had just come out of the mikvah, and you have no way of knowing because this woman is out of control. What would you say? Teku. That's Barry. I'm going to put you in charge of asking Mashiach that when he comes, okay? So that is the teku. Well, we do not know what the woman, uh, we shouldn't know from such things. Okay. Two dots in the middle of the page. Here we go. Be'elu din. What's going on here? That the uh, interesting case, right, when, when it comes to bringing a woman to, right, the, uh, to drink the waters, right, so if a husband was a shaita or was in Otisville or whatever, incarcerated, so you would have to what? 
he could still, if a bad reputation comes out and he wants to initiate the process, Bezdin can do it on the husband's behalf. How do we know that? Ish. The Torah could have said Ish. Ish Ish. The fact that the Pasuk says Ish Ish Kitiste Isho. Right? Ishto. Again, Ish Ish Kitiste Ishto. It says Ish twice. Why does it say Ish twice? The Rabbah is Ishes Cheresh. Right, if, if you have a cheresh, right, so obviously he's not able to articulate it, or as a shota, he doesn't know what's going on anymore. Uh, apparently he was shota afterwards, right? These are people whose kiddushin was tofus at the time of their marriage, but at, a, at the time of this, they were no longer in a state where they could do it. The bezin does it on their behalf, sha'amum. Uh, an insane man, right? Bewilderment of the heart, really off the reservation, so he's not in a position to. But it's amazing, the Bezdin will, in fact, do it on his behalf. Right, the husband's uh, overseas, or he's in jail. So this is, a, this is an interesting thing. This is different, right? When a Baal actually does the Kinoi and the Stira, right? So she doesn't lose the, the Ksuba right away, necessarily, Right, we're gonna allow her to drink the waters and we're gonna see whether it's she's innocent or not. Right? If she drinks the waters and gets so far to drink the waters and then becomes innocent, uh, we're gonna give her a bracha. But here, right, when as we'll see, the Bezdin can right do the kinoi uh, and 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 they can bring her to the point right of losing her ksuba, but they can't make her drink the water. No, I don't think so, right? Uh, but they can, in fact, be posal ksuvasa. So, what's going on? Says the Gemara. Yachal aflash kosan. You might think that Bezdin can also make the woman drink the water, take it all the way there on behalf, right, of the husband in these cases. Says the Gemara, no. Talmud Lomar, behavior ish es ishto. No, when it comes to the context of bringing her to drink the water, that you need the husband for. That's a machlokas of ever. Rabbi Yomer Aflash goes. Rabbi says the Bezdin can even bring her to drink the water. So that when the husband comes out, he will bring her to drink. So wait a minute. Aflash Kosa, so that when he comes out to drink. So yeah. In other words, the, it means the Bezdin can't actually bring her for the drinking test, right? But the question is like this, and this goes back to what we were saying before. When Bezdin are doing the, initiating the SOTA procedure on behalf of the husband, right? Would you say that they're just initiating on his behalf and when he gets out of Otisville on good behavior, he can then continue that process? So are they sort of like surrogate in his behalf, right? Uh, power of attorney initiating the procedure? Or would you say, Barry, that it's an entirely different procedure, right? That the Besden version of this is a different thing where she just loses the Ksuba and, you know, Zygesund, right? Right, go have a nice life, but we're, we're not in the real full Parsha of Sota because the husband's not around, right? So that's the machlokas. Nobody says that the Bezdin can make her drink it. It's just a question of are they initiating as his power of attorney or are they taking it on a different Bezdin track of Sota? Okay, that's the question. And so the Gemara then asks, right, what's the source of this machlokas? Well, Rabbanan's going to say, Right, according to Rabbanan, the Bezdin can do the kina, but only the postal mixivasan. It's a different kind of thing because they don't have the full fulfillment of the pasuk, which is to say, to fulfill the pasuk, you need to be able to do all of the pasuk. 
be able to do the initial stage and also bring her forward. And since everyone agrees that Besdin can't actually make her drink it, so therefore it's a different kind of sota procedure. That is Rabban. However, Biosi Savar Lobain and Vikina Vehevi. That's all. Vikina Vehevi is talking about, right, just what happens in a regular procedure, but it doesn't mean that it can only, he who can bring her to the, right, to drink the water, that only that uh, individual can actually um, initiate the procedure, and therefore, it's a question of how literally do you take that pasuk, right? Okay, so that's the machlokis. Now, seven lines up from the bottom, Tanur Rabbanon, Asher tiste isha tachas isha. Okay, these two uh, words, isha, mean very different things. Isha is a woman, the first one, and the second one is tachas isha, right, her husband, or the mapik hey. Isha. Lakish ish le isha, isha le ish. Well, since in that very same pasuk it says the isha, the woman, and isha, her husband, there are many, uh, it's like a hekesh, where we say that there are many parallels that you might not have otherwise known. How so? How are we applying this hekesh between the man and the, hu- the husband and the woman? As follows. Just like if he's blind. Right, he can't make a drink. Right, it was hidden from the eyes of the husband. Right, we learned that means already. If uh, we learned, I think it was over Shabbos that if the husband's blind, so then it can't be hidden from his eyes because he can't see anyway, and therefore he's out of the parsha of Sota. So even though the woman being blind has no relevance to the pasuk of an elame in the pasuk, context of pasuk, it means that right, he could see but didn't know. Therefore, if he can't see, this partial septa doesn't apply to him. But this hekish of Ish Isha extends it to say that even if she's blind, even though that has nothing to do with the context, uh, if he's blind, he can't bring her to Sota. And similarly, if she's blind, she cannot be, she's outside of the partial of Sota. Another comparison, right? So now coming from the other perspective. So that was a psul, so to speak, in the husband that gets applied to the wife. Here's a psul of the wife that applies to the husband. Why? Because the Pasuk says, as we turn to Chavzayin and Beis, and we see the finish line of the parak, you might recall that when she brings the carbon, right, mincha, that the her and the Kohen sit there and they have a moment, right, where they're where he they're they're kind of waving it, right, with their hands. Well, you need to have hands for that. You also need vehemid. You also need to be have legs for that because you're standing. Okay, so if she's missing limbs, arms, and legs, then she is out of the parsha of sota. So now we're going to say similarly, if he's missing arms and legs, even though it's totally irrelevant. Uh, they're all, this couple's out of the parsha of Sota, right? So to the husband, if he is missing right hands or legs, he can't force uh, the woman. He's outside of the parsha of Sota. He can't force her to participate in that. And the final suggestion is an elemis, a mute woman. Why? Because it says, right? It says in the pasuk, it says it right in the chumash. That at the end, the woman has to say amen twice. Well, you need to be able to verbalize that. If she's incapable of that, she's outside the parsha of sota. Kahui maya ilem. So too, if the husband was uh, mute, lohaya mashke, you are not in the parsha of sota. But again, lohaya uh, mashke means he can't cause her to drink. But I would presume that the bezdin, right, just to continue that theme, could perhaps is he outside of the parsha of sota altogether, or would you consider him like a shaita? Right? Or a cherish. 
Well, it's, it sounds like he's, he's like a Shotar Cherish, right? Um, but maybe not. Because Suma, so I guess an Elaim and a Cherish would, would be different. Isn't that, yeah, no, it sounds like it would be different, right? In other words, the Psukim were learning Limudim. They would totally be outside of the Parsha Sota. You can't make her drink, you can't make her participate in the Sota altogether. That's what it sounds like. Whereas Dafka Ashota is a different thing. He could verbalize it if he had the mental capacity. But the psukim don't say anything about the mental capacity. And therefore, that's where Bezdin, I think, would be uh, initiating the procedure or doing their own procedure, depending how you hold, uh, on his behalf. Does that sound right, Barry? Okay. So therefore, if Barry gives us a stamp of approval, we'll say, And let's begin our new parak, uh, the fifth parak, in Masecha Sota. Uh, and Barry, there's only one Mishnah in the whole fifth parak. Sometimes it's organized that way. And so you get to read it now. And the rest is just going to be Gemara. Here we go. Says the Mishnah. Interesting. Did you know that, Barry? Everyone talks about when you learn about it at school that she blows up. Well, guess what? He blows up too. How do you like that? Equal, right, opportunity. In the same way, Barry. He's going to blow up. All right. Serves him right, maybe. Does it? Uh, I don't know. Isn't that adding insult to injury? Like, what if he's a tzaddik and she, so we already learned that, uh, not so much, right? We already learned the beginning of the Masechta. Yeah, if he was a tzaddik, it wouldn't work. That's right. Very good point. That's why it's, it's fair. <laughs> so it's really a pretty good system, Barry, because it's authentic, right? Nobody's going to game this system. If he's a tzaddik, the waters aren't, she, that's going to actually, the waters are, are not going to make her blow up. If he's not a tzaddik, then yeah, sure, the waters are going to blow her up, but they're going to blow him up too. And it's only fair. Oy, it shouldn't happen, okay. Shunema uvo uvo. Yeah. It says uvo, right? Amayim am ele. And then it says again, vehishka uh, esaisha. Right, two psukim later. Since it says twice, what, is, what does it mean when it says twice? It's alluding to the fact that they enter twice, enter him while they're entering her as well. Wow. Okay. Now, Kishem Shasur Labal, Kachasur Laboel. Shanemar Venitmel, Venitmel. Right? So that we say from the double Venitmel, that's Divi Rebbe Akiva. Amar Yeshua, Kacha Yadorj Sachari Ben Akatsav. Rebbe Omer. So again, Rabbi Yeshua, who is Rabbi Kiva's Rebbe, is quoting Rabbi Zechariah ben Hakatsav, who quotes Rebbe, who says, So this is kind of like a detailed machlokas. Um, Rabbi Kiva holds that it's the Vav Yasera, that teaches you that it's also the Baal and the Boel. Rebbe said that it's the two mentionings of Nitmi'ah. Okay, uh, so why did they learn one or the other is, is, a, is a different discussion that the Gemara will take up uh, soon enough on, on Chavtes. But be that as it may, right, at least the Mishnah, we know that that's the Machlokas, whether it's the extra Nitma or the, right, the Vav Yasera. The Gemara will explain what this Machlokas is about. Be that as it may, the, Gemara, the Mishnah continues to say another one of Rabbi Kiva's uh, Limudim, Bo Bayom Darsh Rabbi Kiva, what does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with price of right? Uh, well, this is Bobayom. Anytime you see Bobayom, it's the fateful day. What fateful day? 
We learned it. Brachos Chavzayim, Brachos Chavches. The fateful day, Rabbi Yeshua was treated uh, with not the, what, what, what was considered uh, not enough respect by Rabbi Gamliel, who was then, right, the, the Av Bezdin, he was the head of the uh, Academy of Yavne, and they deposed him for one day. During that day, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, kind of dafyomi coincidence, Harei Keven Shivim Shana, he grew the gray hair, and once he grew the gray hair, you were able to take him seriously, and during that day, they opened up the base Medrash, they learned all of Masechus Adios that day, many, many things. For whatever reason, we're going to learn a bunch of these things today. Maybe we can figure out why Dafka these things, but that is what connects the rest of the Dinim in the Mishnah, okay? So, this one, I guess you could say because it's Rabbi Akiva, okay? Um, anyway, on that fateful day, Darsh Rabbi Akiva, what's this? V'cholk, Kli Cheres, so if you have an earthenware vessel, with regards to the halachas of Tumah, the Kli Cheres has a very unique halachas. Uh, you could touch that thing from the outside. Uh, anything that goes on the outside of the Kli isn't Metame the Kli. That's amazing. But on the inside, it's a whole different ball game. In the inside, not only if a Sheretz touched it, but even if the Sheretz was in the airspace of the Kli Cheres, you're metame the klicheres. Not only that, but you're metame its contents. Unbelievable. So, v'chol klicheres sheipomahem al tochol kol shebetochol itmal. That's actually a pasuk in the Chumash. Okay. Eino omer tamei ela yitma. Well, the pasuk, if you look carefully, doesn't just teach you that it's metame the airspace, but even yitma. They can be metame other things. Says the Mishnah, letame acherim. What what does it mean? Metame achidish limit al kikar sheni. This teaches us that even if you had a Loaf that was a sheni latuma, right inside an earthenware vessel. What would be the most classic example of a loaf of bread inside an earthenware vessel? Uh, oven, because <laughs> as we've learned many times, right when we were learning Masechus Shabbos and and elsewhere, those earthenware uh, ovens that was the material that they made the ovens out of. So now you have a sheretz in that oven, and you have bread baking in that oven. That bread, if it was a, right, kikar sheni, a sheni latuma, shemitame sashlishi, it can make another item, in other words, even when it's outside of the oven, at that point, it has enough inherent tuma, so to speak, that it picked up in the oven, that it can render something else a shlishi latuma. A shlishi latuma is going to be, right, bimitame, uh, certainly betruma, it's things that are susceptible to shlishi latuma are going to actually be uh, contaminated by such a loaf. Uh, to this, I'm a Rabbi Yeshua. Mi egale afar meinecha Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Wow, who's going to remove the dust from your eyes, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai? Which is a way of saying, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, you're already in the grave, but you missed it. Ah, oh, if you could live to see this day, this beautiful shot of Rabbi Akiva, right? If only I could dust off the dust from your eyes, so your eyes could open up and see this beautiful shot. Halavai, that would have been great. You would have loved to hear this. Why? Because you used to say you were worried, right? You were worried that people would be retired. You knew that this kikar shlishi was going to be tame, but you were afraid that the, uh, that the shot was too precarious, right? Uh, because why? Because you were worried they would be treated like tahar because you thought that it was based on a kavachomer. Right? Why? Because she'ain lo mikor min shu Because there's no explicit pasuk. We, we, we used to learn it from a kalva chomer. But now, Rabbi Akiva came by and he gave us this pasuk of, doesn't say tamei ele yitma. And he attaches it to a scriptural source. Now, the pshat is safe. 
I mean, the loaf isn't safe, it's tabe, but the pshat is safe, and now you don't have to worry about that loaf being treated as tar, right? He learns from the word yitma that in fact there is a scriptural source that the loaf is tame, and therefore your pshat is safe, your halacha is safe, the loaf is tame, and you can rest easy in your grave, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Wow. Okay, more with Rabbi Kiva. So, so far, Rabbi Kiva, these are the things that Rabbi Kiva learned. Is this an exhaustive list of Rabbi Kiva learned on that very fateful day in Adios? Not sure. I have to look into that. Anyway, Boba Yom Darsh Rabbi Kiva. Yeah. Remember this? When we learned Erevin? Who holds that Tchum Shabbos is the Raisa? Rabbi Kiva. Okay. Here he's talking about what? So one, one Pasuk, there's a contradiction. One Pasuk says that you should measure outside the city on the eastern side 2,000 Amos. Okay. All the sides, not just the western side. There's a 2,000 Amos perimeter. Okay. Omikrachher Amar. Yeah, let's measure a thousand amos all around. So which is it? Uh, if you want to know the entire pasuk, it says like this: We're talking about the Let's make a perimeter of a thousand ama. Next pasuk, right? This is in Bamidbar Paraklamid Hey, right? Pasuk Dal we just read. Now we're reading pasuk Hey Umadosa Mechutzliyar Pasked Malpaim Ba'ama Pasked Malpaim Ama. So it's literally like Pasuk Dalit says measure a thousand ama perimeter. Pasuk K says measure two thousand. So what are we doing? Why are we measuring both? So This is a long-winded way of saying that we have a contradiction. <laughs> why are we? Why does the Pasuk say both? Right, a uh, thousand ama perimeter and a two thousand ama perimeter. How side? What would be the resolution of this? Well, elef ama migresh valpaim ama tchum shabbos. One way of saying it is that the Elf Amma, the, first of all, the Apaim Amma would be the Tchum Shabbos, as we've learned, because we learned Mesech HaSeirvin. The Elf Amma, and Mesech Shabbos, the Elf Amma is a Migrash. What's a Migrash? Rashi. Rechava Pnuya Mizriya Mubatim Meilanos Lenoi Ha'ir. Liosla Avir. Yeah, it's a nice, open, airy, right, municipal planning. You need to have a park. So for this park, in those days, the park had more of like a uh, minimalist vibe. No trees, no planting of any kind. Just op- give me open, wide open spaces. That's what I want for my municipal planning. But literally, Lenoheir, this is what whatever, this was considered beautiful, uh, um, beautiful for the city. So the people, when they live in the city, shouldn't just be people on top of each other with like garbage and and Pashkivilim uh, and, and whatever, diapers everywhere. It should be, you know, nice and open. So that is, right, Migrash Alpaim Ama So that's the Alpaim Ama. So again, rather, that's the Aleph Ama. In other words, the Aleph Ama is, again, you have your city, then you have, right, around the city, a park, so to speak, like a nice, empty, wide open park space, and then Tchum Shab is 2,000 Amas. However, Belezim Benosh, it's a different thing. The Elif Amma is going to be the Migrash. So again, there you're going to have the wide open space, a thousand Amas around. And the Alpaim Amma is not the Tchum Shabbos, but rather you should have there the fields and the vineyards. Okay? That's what it's referring to. Okay, that that's where you have all the other, uh, the fields outside of the main living area. Okay, 
But then, Bo Bayom Darsha Bikiva, Bikiva. Oh, wait, so that's it. So, wait a minute. So, what does this have to do with Rabbi Akiva? Um, so, Hakeitzad. So, that was. So, Rabbi Akiva's shot was that it was Tchum Shabbos, right? The first shot was Tchum Shabbos, that the Elf Amigush and Tchum Shabbos. It was Machlokas, Rabbi Lezim, Ben Blosh, Rabbi and Rabbi Kiva, right? So, again, Rabbi Lezim, Ben Blosh, Rabbi is saying that it should be vineyards. Rabbi Akiva says it's a reference to Tchum Shabbos. And again, Rabbi Akiva is singled out as holding that Tchum Shabbos is the Araisa. When we learn Arabic, so that's consistent with his shita. The Gemara will point this out anyway. I'm not uh, saying anything that not everybody knows. Finally, Rabbi Kiva, Boba Yom Darsh Rabbi Kiva, Az Yashir Moshe of Nesrael Shashir Azot Hashem Yamur Lemor. It says Az Yashir, Dafyomi coincidence, Vayomru, and they said, Lemor, to say. What's this extra Lemor? Shein Talmud Lomar Lemor. Well, why are we saying Lemor? Ma Talmud Lomar Lemor. What are we learning? Malamisha Yisrael, Oinin Shir, Acharav Shel Moshe, Al Kol Dover Vedover. Like Kekorin Nesahalel, that it was a responsive. To teach you how they sang the song in a responsive fashion. It's not like saying halal in the responsive way, but the way we recite the Shema. Tomorrow we'll uh, conclude with what Rabbi Yeshua ben Horkinus expounded on that very day of Adius uh, regarding Eov and his, uh, his Avodah Hashem, whether it was Yira and Ava. Looking forward to continuing tomorrow, but it's a Dafyomi coincidence. Now let's uh, dive in in responsive fashion.